Welcome back to another episode of Who's on the Lord's Side. Today I wanted to pick up where we left off in the previous episode, which was in chapter 2 of William Cooper's book, Behold a Pale Horse. Now the title, Behold a Pale Horse, actually comes from the Holy Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 8, where it says, And I looked, and behold a pale horse, and his name that sat upon him was Death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with the beast of the earth. Okay? And before I continue on to chapter 2, to, to finish and wrap it up, I want to read two parts of the book. One is a quote in the beginning by Delamer Duveris, and the other one is a short miniature intro. Uh, to the book before William Cooper's uh, extended intro to the book. So we have Delamar Duveris's quote here, which I thought was just very powerful. So I just want to share it with us since we're always on the, the quest for truth. It says, one basic truth can be used as a foundation for a mountain of lies. And if we dig down deep enough into the mountain of lies and bring out that truth to set it on top of the mountain of lies... The entire mountain of lies will crumble under the weight of that one truth. And there is nothing more devastating to a structure of lies than the revelation of the truth upon which the structures of lies were built. Because the shock waves of the revelation of the truth reverberate and continue to reverberate throughout the earth for generations to follow awakening even those people who had no desire to be awakened to the truth how deep is that okay you ain't gonna talk like that and you know this is why philosophical minds you know this is why people when they the the deep thinkers and stuff you you just you ain't just thinking some of people knew new things and just knew beautifully how to put it into words without saying you know, but this holds a lot of truth and meaning. It can be applied to a lot of things, but most of all, to the the only truth of this world, which is the one true world of God and God's word. That's it. And the word can also be translated to logos or the Messiah. That's it. And there's only one path there. Now I'm going to go to the short intro here by a woman named Barbara Ann. And she's talking about William Cooper. Because again, he's no longer with us. He has passed away, as I said in the previous episode. As he uh, actually prophesied, because he knew the stuff that he was, he revealed a lot. I'll be honest with you, compared to Bloodlines of the Illuminati, which talks about the 13 bloodlines, and it talks about receipts, and he has receipts, compared that compared to what he's talking about, the stuff he was releasing was very top secret, and he also released documents to back it up that was actually sealed down. He basically connected the dots for us. It's not that it wasn't available. It's just maybe we wasn't looking there anymore. Because like I said, a lot of things are um, classified and then become declassified later and public has access to it too. But by the time that happens, a lot of people have moved on. That generation that, that would have really wanted it, <laughs> you know, probably just isn't thinking about it anymore. Life goes on. So let me go on to this intro by Barbara Ann. It says, some time ago, I had the opportunity to meet William Cooper and his wife, Annie. It was part of my job to verify whether this man did indeed speak the truth or was just another person seeking fame and fortune. What I find was a rugged, bulldog-driven individual who was kind, thoughtful, and tender-hearted. 
He was truly concerned about you and your welfare. Bill knew that people were badly informed by society which spoon feeds you deception until there is no distinction between fiction and reality. He sees what many others are seeing happening and he is not afraid to do something about it. There are many who do not want you to know what Bill has to say. They have tried many times to stop him from saying it. The scars on his face and the loss of his leg are his badges of sincerity on your behalf. No one becomes popular by telling truth. History records what happened to the true prophets of the past. However, some have listened to their warnings and were not caught off guard. Others have put their heads in the sand and refused to listen. Bill has it together and has put it together for you so you can be one of the informed of the world. A well-informed person can make the right decision. William Cooper has my vote of approval because I cared enough to find out who the man is. Now is your opportunity. Signed, Barbara Ann. Now, I agree. Okay, this is I, the people I suggest whether you're familiar with them or not is who helped me also they paved the way also makes me wonder why you know frank i mean fritz springmeyer is still here so <laughs> i don't i don't know that he ever took an oath but this one was also in the military so you shouldn't talk at all really i'm sure a lot of them hold a lot of things to their death if they tell a loved one which they're not supposed to but some of them i've seen documentaries and history channels in the past anybody that does come forth and speak is usually covered by some kind of dark um there is no lighting you could barely see the person and the voice is almost always just almost always it's distorted <laughs> they ain't trying to get killed to be popped off excuse my language all right we're gonna go to now, what I really want to talk to you about, so when we left over, we were talking about this, chapter two is basically entitled uh, Secret Societies and a New World Order. So when we left, left off, I, I believe we were talking about the uh, Templars and the Illuminati and the Freemasons. But today I want to talk about also the Holy Grail, because that's what he goes on to talk about, too. That's another mystery that um, I guess you could say is connected to the Messiah and the coming of of the uh, second coming of him but not only that the antichrist and what are they doing on the other side what, what is this thing they was claiming that they have concerning this holy grail so it says here one of the greatest secrets of the ages is the true story of the holy grail the robe of jesus the remains of the cross of crucifixion and whether jesus actually died or if he survived and produced a child Many myths surrounding the Knights Templar concerning these relics and most myths throughout history always have at least some basis in fact. In, in, if my resources are correct, he says, the Knights Templar survive today as a branch of the Illuminati and guards of the relics, which are hidden in a location known only to them. Now, this part here I read to you in a previous episode, uh, but I'm going to just connect it in just to refresh us what we we're talking about. It says, we know that the Templars are Illuminati because the Freemasons absorbed and protected those that escaped persecution of the church and France, just as the Freemasons would absorb and protect Weishaupt's Illuminati centuries later. So it says here, the Knights Templar exists today as a higher degree of Freemasonry within the Templar order. In fact, the Knights Templar is a branch of the Order of the Quest. The De Molay Society is a branch of the Freemasons that consecrates the memory 
of the persecution of the Knights Templar and in particular their leader, um, Jack Demolay. I read this in a previous episode. He says, I know because I was a member of the Demolay Society as a young adult, I loved the mystery and ritual. I became separated from the society when my family moved to a location out of reach of any lodge. I believe to this day that my association with the De Molay Society may have been the reason for my selection for na- naval security and intelligence. Okay, you didn't even have to really fight too much. You just had to go in and find this intelligence. <clears throat> now, we also talked about the Spear of Destiny. I'm going to skip one because we talked about that in the previous episode, but I want to talk about this here. The Priory of Sion was a re- religious order founded upon... Mount Zion in Jerusalem, or you could say Zion. The order, Mount Zion, the order set for itself the goal of preserving and recording the bloodline of Jesus and the house of David. So this whole religious, whole secret society, their whole basis set for itself the goal of preserving and recording the bloodline of Jesus and the house of David. They became obsessed with the genealogy, the bloodline, and the house of David. You got to remember, this side is also building to produce an antichrist. So the devil likes to to mimic everything that God does. And we know that uh, other than wanting to be God and play God, and and he has his angels, and God has his army, he has his army. The same way uh, there's going to be the Messiah who already came. He did part one. He has come back and do part two. The same way that uh, there's going to be uh, it's kind of when he came he was a demigod is the same way when the antichrist come is going to be a demigod low case g meaning half human looking like a mortal human this is not going to be looking like no beast with tails and he's not going to be red with horns or anything he's going to be a leader but he's going to be able to do signs and wonders uh make fire come down from heaven that scripture says that if it's possible that even the most seasoned and elect of the saints who's supposed to be well studied is going to be like, oh, no, 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 this is not the Antichrist. This is the Messiah. So he, he has to produce something. And there's something about him that even when he's doing it, he probably wants to be very cruel about it because everything he does, especially is to hurt God, his children and that beautiful genetic design that God naturally had with the spirit that God naturally breathed into every single one of us. There's something about that that he still wants to mock. So I think he would love to throw the blood of the lamb and the Messiah into this uh, abomination that will come. Okay. So you have to ask yourself, yes, they all have one mind and and every organization oversees certain parts. Like I said, it's like a body. You have the the brain, you have um, blood, your veins, everything, heart, everything has to work together. Okay. To form and function. And every part has its own individual function. So point going on here is uh, this specific one is obsessed with the bloodline of Jesus and the house of David. Let's go on. Through every means available to them, the Priory of Sion had found and retrieved the remaining relics. And these relics were entrusted to the Knights Templar for safekeeping. It says here, I am amazed at the authors of the Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and the information that they have unearthed. Most of all, I am amazed at their inability to put the puzzle together. Because you got to remember, they were saying some crazy stuff, but we'll talk about that later. He said they didn't, they, they was unable to put the puzzle together. The treasure hidden in France is not, okay, this way it says, the treasure hidden in France is not the treasure of the Temple of Jerusalem. It is the Holy Grail itself, the robe 
of Jesus, the last remaining pieces of the cross of crucifixion, and according to my sources, someone's bones. I can tell you that the reality of the bones will shake the world to its very foundations if I have been told the truth. And he didn't really reveal that. Okay. It says the relics are hidden in France. I know the location and so do the authors of the Holy Blood, Holy Grail. But they do not know that they know or do they? Okay. So what we had in Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Is what you had when they started putting Tom Hanks back into the, the angels and demons and um oh I can't remember that movie that he was in where they supposedly I found that Jesus had a daughter. She was a descendant of Jesus. Let me tell you something. Mary Magdalene and the Messiah was not that way. What I believe happened, why they're trying to explain and low-key put a grail there and also try to put a stumbling block in believers so they can maybe throw the baby out with the bath water, discredit the Messiah. People just don't go to church no more. Another reason to think it's just all biblical and he was just a regular man type of thing, okay? But you had them saying that he had a child. It's not that I don't believe that he had a child so much as they, that was a lot of blood. There was a lot of blood. That was a lot of blood. They are now in a day of cloning. They've been cloning, okay? Science is very Frankenstein-ish. And what I mean by that is that you know science is of the devil. Science is very Frankenstein-ish in the sense of... And even in this book, I remember he said that there was a specific person. Oh, as a matter of fact, it was... You know who it was? It was the, the, the grandfather of Darwin was Frankenstein-ish. Really, like, in the mind. And when whatever Shelley, whatever her name Shelley is, who wrote Frankenstein and was getting the concept of uh, the, the, the doctor who was upset, I think, first that his mother died and he wanted to be able to make people live or... So he was trying to put together the we when he went to the school and the people tried to kick them out the medical school because what he was trying to do they said was unnatural and it was against the laws of nature it was abomination but he still found a way to do it the man was obsessed you know something about the loss of his mother made him feel like no we have to be able to save people and make a lives but not in a healthy way it was in a dark way so something about science is very frankensteinish just because just because you push the envelope even though the laws say don't push the envelope well every time a scientist pushes the envelope they, they are impressed and they want to see what else they can do so you might they might say hey we are only limiting the test into this but let's say you go against protocol and then now protocol now allows them to further the study into something they never thought would be happening they're going to keep going because there's a curiosity in science as well i'll use the movie i believe splice as an example what were they doing in splice they were scientists or something of that nature working behind the scenes and Without the permission of whatever laboratory they worked for, that girl and her partner who, who worked in the same lab together, she made some kind of creature and used her DNA. She used her DNA with whatever specimen it was. She made a hybrid thing. It was called Splice. It grew up and they were trying to hide it in the lab. Eventually, they had to take it to the house. Well, eventually, they took it to the house, and what did the thing do? It eventually grew up to be attracted to the father because it, it turned into a female, a grown female very fast. It wanted to sleep with the father, and then eventually, it, they found out that it had two sexes. It was female. It was hermaphrodite. It was female and male. This 
hybrid thing that she that the woman was so she was pushing the envelope nobody told her to do this but science when you have it at your fingertip well let's see if we could do this and what scientists don't want to make a name for themselves either find the cure for this or this or that okay they don't always have these resources at home so they go against the laws of nature in the lab when nobody's there staying at late at night claiming that they're working on the day's work lies from the phallus bit of hell so it had a penis and it raped the mother or the creator it raped her okay and then it just so happened the lab found out about everything that was going on and of course they scolded them they scolded the girl the woman and they scolded her boyfriend well he died i think but what did they find out that even though this was not supposed to be done it was illegal they used it they used uh, funded money from the lab that was there they wasn't supposed to and all this was illegal they found out that the woman the scientist was pregnant by the uh, species thing and so now the scientist became a new test study for the lab so it didn't matter that she went against laws of nature. If, it, if it's freaky enough and they could see something like, oh, what? what? And you, you was able to get pregnant by this some hybrid. <gasps> That's big. Let's study this. And they're going to push it some more. So don't think that cloning is not a real thing because they are cloning people. Okay? <clears throat> it used to be a time where they could clone them. And they, they had to, there's several ways. Grown from the embryo, born as a baby. These days, it's almost like carbon copy. And don't think they can't because they can't. So that's why in the days of Noah, when they were doing genetic muti- mutilation, there was cross-contempt. That's why the animals, well, you have to ask yourself why the animals had to come on the boat. Animals had to come on the boat because it said even the fowls of the air and the beasts of the fields that they have violated and started mixing and cross-breeding with. Probably how we got the ancient things like mermaid and all those other freaky things. Because the world, the, the water, the water is another world to me. And besides very clear, as the days of Noah's are, was, is the same way as the coming of the Son of Man will be. And it basically was nothing but crossbreeding with hybrid races and mixing and mutilation of the animals and God's original design. So going back to the Holy Grail when they're saying, oh, we are the descendants. I don't believe that they're the descendants. So much that they either found a way to procreate potentially with uh, the Messiah's brothers and sisters, earthly brothers and sisters, because Mary and Joseph had more kids. I mean, that child, that child had an assignment. (laughs) There was, he got taken up after, you know, he'll be back, but Mary deserved to have a child. She, you know, she had other children. Maybe they mixed in with them, but I don't believe that's the case. I I feel that somehow, just like, Hitler was obsessed with genetics. You have to understand it's a bloodline thing. They manipulated that blood. Talking about they have his robe. Well, a robe is a is a robe, but grail is like it's usually meant to be some kind of blood or or sang royal, which means royal blood. That's usually what they what they term it as. Let's just keep going. Uh, it says here that um, yeah, <clears throat> Adam Weiss. Weiss hopped. Okay, a young professor. We're going. We're talking about the Illuminati founder now. His name was Adam Weiss Hop. Adam Weiss Hop, a young professor of canon law at Ingolstadt University in Germany, was a Jesuit priest and an initiate of the Illuminati. The branch of the order he founded in Germany in 1776 was the same Illuminati previously discussed. The Jesuit connection is important, as you will see later in this chapter. Researchers agree that he was financed by the House of Rothschild, the same Rothschild family mentioned in The Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. I'm assuming that's the book. 
says, Weiss helped advocated. This is what he advocated. It says, quote, abolition of all ordered national governments, abolition of inheritance, abolition of private property, abolition of patriotism, abolition of individual home and family life as the cell from which all civilizations have stemmed, comma, and Abolition of all religions established and existing so that the Luciferian ideology of totalitarian may be imposed on mankind. Because that is the, that is the whole point at the, at the end of the day. They worship Lucifer who they don't believe was a devil at all. That they believe, see, the devil's lying to them for crying out loud. He's doing a great job. He's been doing a great job for centuries. And he, he gives them trinkets and riches and all this glory and some power. But um, that's what they're trying to do, basically, is enslave mankind by every means possible, set a million traps, so that they basically, after they enslave us, hand us over to the dark master himself, the devil. It says, in the same year that he founded the Illuminati, he published Wealth of Nations, the book that provided the, ideolo- the ideological foundation for capitalism and for the Industrial Revolution. It is no accident that the Declaration of Independence was also written in the same year. On the obverse of the Great Seal of the United States, the wise will recognize the all-seeing eye and other signs of the Brotherhood of the Snake. It says here, every tenet was the same. Dates and beliefs confirms that Weishaupt's Illuminati is the same as the Afghan Illuminated Ones. And the other cults, which also call themselves Illuminated. The Alambrados of Spain were the same as the quote-unquote Illuminated. The Guernets of France and in the United States, they were known as the Jacobin Clubs. Secrets within secrets within secrets. But always at the heart is the Brotherhood. So he says here, I believe that Weishaupt was betrayed and set up for persecution. So now the story of Weishaupt goes that... Even though he founded the Illuminati, he there was a rule that you shouldn't say the word, let alone let people know that it existed. And it said that he ignored the rule of the word, quote-unquote Illuminati, or the existence of it. Okay, it shouldn't be exposed, never exposed to public knowledge. So it says here that his exposure and outlawing accomplished several goals because he exposed it. And then it, after he exposed it, it got outlawed. So it says his exposure and outlawing accomplished several goals of the still hidden and still very powerful brotherhood one it allowed members to debunk claims of the existence of the group on the grounds that one the illuminati had been exposed outlawed and thus was no longer reality it also allowed members to deny allegations of any conspiracy of any kind okay the brotherhood of the snake is adept at throwing out decoys to keep the dogs at bay wife's health may have been a fool or he may have just been doing exactly what he was told to do because sometimes when you expose the truth and then you oh and then you they condemned it you could say well there was something called that but it says here it's written because they they write his story they change his story all the time it's written here that da, 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 and then you won't think of it anymore the whole point is don't think about us at all because the best thing that the devil ever did is make you question god more and even if you do believe in God, which of the millions of God that we don't put out here for you? <laughs> or, hey, I got one even better for you. You don't like any of them? You're your own God. Wink, wink. Get it? He got you so more debating that. If you were atheist or a Jew, 
that you don't think about stuff. It's it's laughable to talk like the devil's on me and the devil's hellhounds is Satan. And on the Islamic side, no matter what, they know about jinn, D-J-I-N-N. They know about fallen angel. They're not unawares about these kind of things. But some people, if you're not, you'd be like, oh, gosh, everybody's talking about the devil. Yes, it's the devil. They really, I don't want to say they don't, he has no power. He doesn't. If he exists, it's like just what they think they see on TV in a cartoon, some little funny red thing with horns and dang. They don't, it's laughable to them, you know? They don't think it's as real. And that's, I think, the best ploy that the devil ever did. And now on this side, it's like, what? No, what are you talking about? What? We have no idea what you're talking about. It's good. Good deception. It says here now, Weishaupt once said, the great strength of our order lies in its concealment. Let it never appear in its own name, but always cover it by another name and another occupation. Which is why it moved from Babylon to Egypt. From Egypt, some kind of Babylon still kind of come. Now I would say Mesopotamian, or down to Egypt, advanced Egypt, to Babylon, Babylon, over to Europe, Druidism, Druidism, you have... um them trying to hide it out, and then somehow came over here. Came over here. Now they're trying to do this new world order. This coming over here wasn't necessarily to hide the magic here, but coming over here to start the United States of America was like part of a, the extension of what they were doing in Europe because Europe is supposed to be the mother house, especially when it comes to witchcraft. Hell, they say the 13th, uh, the Antichrist supposed to come from the Merovingian bloodline, which is supposed to be the royals, which is over there in Europe. We're going to move on, though. So... Like you said, they just keep changing it around or moving around. Now, it says down here in 1826, an American Freemason. Now, this guy's name was, I believe, William Morgan. So in 18, excuse me, 26, an American Freemason wrote a book revealing Masonic secrets entitled Illustrations of Freemasonry. One of the secrets that he revealed in this book is that the last mystery at the top of the Masonic Pyramid is the worship of Lucifer. We have since learned that the secret of the story of the murder of Hiram of Biff, and then they're going to talk about the symbolisms here. But um, again, he put in a book. This is a Freemason who wrote a book in 1826 entitled Illustrations of Freemasonry. His name was William Morgan. Said that at the top of the Masonic pyramid is the worship of Lucifer. What a lot of people don't even know at the bottom because they're not meant to know that because they don't tell you everything coming into the doubt. Now it says over here now about Hiram Abiff. It says here they learned the secret story of Hiram Abiff. It says Hiram Abiff represents. Now this is what they're going to tell you. He represents symbolically. He represents intelligence, liberty, and truth, and was struck down by a blow to the neck with a rule representing the suppression of speech by the church. Then he was struck in the heart with the square, representing the suppression of belief by the state. And finally, he was struck on the head with a maul, representing the suppression of intellect by the masses. Freemasonry thus equates the church, the state, and the masses with tyranny, intolerance, and ignorance. Okay, and it says what Morgan revealed was what the Freemasons were pledged to avenge, that the Freemasons were pledged to avenge Hiram Biff, and that their plan was to strike down the church, the state, 
and the freedom of the masses. So Morgan pretty much revealed that the Masons were pledged to avenge Hiram Abiff, and their plan to do that was to strike down the church, the state, and the freedom of the masses. Enslave them, hand them over. Says Morgan caused because of this. Because of this, Morgan caused a small uproar against the Masons. The small uproar turned into a full-blown-out anti-Mason movement when the author, Will Morgan himself, disappeared. Morgan had apparently been abducted and drowned in a lake. Supposedly he, he he was missing and he was found drowned. It was alleged that fellow Masons had done it. A claim that they still deny to this day. Who else would have done it? I believe they murdered him. It says here, uh, the newspapers of the time state without reservation that he was murdered. It says the newspapers of the time state without reservation that he was murdered by the Masons. Now it says here, the oath of initiation into the Freemason state that if secrets are told, the initiate will be murdered. And he did write a book stating such things. So if it wasn't true, why wouldn't he be alive? I mean, it, it begs the question if they hold that dear or that's the real punishment. It says a nationwide furor ensued that resulted in the creation of the anti-Masonic political war in 1829 by Henry Dana Ward. I want to read some other stuff here. I wanted to talk about some Vatican connections. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. Okay, we're back from break. Now, I want to remind everyone that what we're doing, or we are searching for the truth, especially studying the other side, is preparing ourselves for Satan's traps. Now, in Matthew ten sixteen, this is the King James Version, the Messiah tells us to be wise as a serpent. Okay, and the serpent is always used even in symbolism in the garden when he came down giving supposed wisdom and there on their side it was a serpent that freed them or Lucifer that freed them through this to the through the serpent that gave them forbidden knowledge. Okay. They use dragons and the serpent, okay, again to symbolize wisdom. They worship wisdom, wisdom was wisdom. So it says here to be wise as a serpent. So know or think as a serpent or know and think as your enemy does think, okay? The same way um, well, I'll just read the scripture. It says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You're not supposed to know or be as wise as a serpent so you can act as a serpent. But it's like if you was getting ready to box somebody or if you had the, uh, an opponent or the other team, you should know their weaknesses. You should know how many times they may have a won or a lost or if it's boxing, if they have a strong right hook or if they're weak somewhere. I mean, you, you have to somewhat know your opponent the more you know your opponent or what their mindset is like the more you can be more discerned and see things as they're coming so he never asks us to sit out here and be like sitting ducks so this spell they're casting on us not wanting us to be wise as them but harmless nobody wants to know what y'all know to apply it but we do need to know it till we understand that the truth of god's word is real you know what i'm saying and the devil truly do have a plan to try to wrap us up and hand us over to hell well he gonna laugh for all eternity at how well his plan works for those that he and that's a very terrible thing i mean as far as like if you think about the the goal it's just this this even for the ones that follow they don't even understand or maybe they don't care to understand or maybe the ones who are so high up top that have the blood in their veins as far as they're concerned to hell we go with you satan because you are our blood you are our relative you are our ancestor 
but that's not what they say. On their side, what? Him? He's awesome. He's cool. No, you got him all wrong. He's lying to them. He's lying to them in order to have a force. Do you think he cares? As soon as they go, where do you think their souls are going? With him. There no other saying. Of, if you want to talk about misery, love company. If you could get a picture of misery, love and company, not that I want to see a picture of the devil. It's a devil. Because as soon as he fell, he took people with him. And it wasn't enough that he took him with him. He took Adam and he fell. It wasn't enough to do that. He took their firstborn child. It wasn't enough to do that. The man been running around here doing that. Man, but you know what I'm saying. The entity. So we're going to move on. Okay, I'm going to talk about now. Hey, page 82. Presidents. Something interesting he said about presidents. From page 82 in my book. It says that, um... It is important that you know that the members of the order take an oath that absolves them from any allegiance to any nation or king or government or constitution. And that includes by the negating of any subsequent oath or of allegiance, which they may be required to take. So it says here they swear allegiance only to the order and the goal of the new world order. So when he was writing, George Bush was president. So he said, George Bush is not a loyal citizen of the United States, but instead is loyal only to the destruction of the United States and to the formation of the new world order. According to the oath Bush took when he was initiated to the skull and bones, his oath of office as president of the United States means nothing. You see why it's so easy for them to do it? Every president comes along, put in place strategically. They're either related to, to, to people back in England. They're either related to one another. Because even Obama can be traced back to England as a relative. Or they're all in one of these secret societies. They, these are not I cannot just be going up there. I don't have the right blood. And I'm certainly not in the right political standing. You understand what I'm saying? And by the time you get up there, even what do you think? I still to this day, Obama's the biggest swindle on time. Because everybody, especially at black Americans, really thought like, oh, he's just a black person who just did all his good work. And now the, the false hope it pulled and the wool over his eyes is exactly what America and the world needed. Because when they put Bush in place, they put him in place to put recession. Everybody's there for a reason. When Trump was there, no matter how mad they claim they are at him. Trump don't do nothing on his accord. No president does anything on their accord. They don't know what the hell they do. I don't care if you was running a whole Congress or government or a Senate or whatever seat you was holding, whatever state, whatever you was doing. By the time you get up there, that's a lot of work. That's why you need a cabinet. But even with the king, you can't keep up on that stuff. Somebody is telling you what to do. Because why the hell have we have not had a president yet that said, you know what, I'm tired of other hungry people. And you know what? We don't have enough money here. Let's just print more. And <laughs> you mean to tell me? No. It's like they all share a brain. They come in, do what they're supposed to do. There are means to end, and then they move on. So it makes sense to me here when it says what he said, which is members of the order take an oath that absolves them from any other allegiance to any nation, king, or government, or constitution. And that, and that will neg negate basically the oath that they took. When they came into the order. So the oath that he took, Bush, at the time when, of when he wrote this book, who was president, his president and our president, took an oath. That oath means you are destined uh, to, we put you in place to do things. So whatever country you are, even if it's the United States of America, we're not doing that. We are to sack the country. It says here... Well, something else I want to read on that, but... 
Maybe I read everything. I'm going to go to page 87. I'm going to wrap up soon. How the Vatican has been infiltrated. Huh. It says the Vatican has been infiltrated over many years by the Illuminati. This is easily proven by the fact that in 1738, Pope Clement XII, or VII, I should say, issued a papal bull which stated that any Catholic who became a Mason would be excommunicated, a very serious punishment. In 1884, Pope Leo VIII issued a proclamation stating that Masonry was one of the secret societies attempting to revive the manners and customs of the pagans and establish Satan's kingdoms on earth. So again, this was a Pope in 1884. Pierce Compton's book, The Broken Cross, traces the infiltration of the Catholic Church by the Illuminati. He has found the use of the Austrian eye in the triangle by the leading Catholics and by the Jesuits. It was also used, they also have um, symbols of Dagon, like the, the, the Pope hat, that's Dagon, that's a fish head. They got fish head, they got all kind of symbolism in there. They also got relics from the saints. Supposedly some of them got the, the bones in there. Why are you doing that? That is pagan. Some of these things, and then they went and collected, they collect half of the bodies and buried them under the church. Like, they're collecting people's bodies. These people are sick. It says here, it was used in the seal of the Philadelphia Eucharist Congress in 1976. The CNI. So it was also on the special issue of the Vatican stamps in 1978, announcing the final Illuminati victory to the world. It says, um, Pope John the... 13th wore the all-seeing eye in the triangle on his personal cross and also when they sit on the chair that chair they sit on is an upside down cross is that that's not what kind of cross is that the cross is inverted it says here car um compton is adamant that several hundred leading catholic priests bishops and cardinals are members of secret societies he quotes an article in an Italian journal that lists more than 70 Vatican officials, including the Pope Paul VI private secretary, the director general of Vatican Radio, the Archbishop of Florence, the prelate of Milan, and assistant director of Vatican newspaper, several Italian bishops, and the abbot of the Order of St. Benedict. All of these are the people who are supposed to be known to be um, of, if not Freemasonry, some kind of secret society. Those are the ones, the ones that are known and he says those are only the ones that are known and only the ones known in Italy. And now at the time there was a Pope, he said it is this Pope at the time that they know for a fact is a member of the Illuminati though. And that's it. It says the best indication of infiltration is that on November 27th of 1983, the Pope retracted all of the papal bulls against Freemasonry and once again allow Catholics and several hundred after several hundred years to again become members of secret societies without fear of excommunication. So by the time they infiltrated after they said nobody can come in, they did infiltrate and then take away the ban. And it says the goal of the Illuminati is to elect one of their own to the papacy um, appears to have fruition. Okay, so just as the New World Order is on the horizon. And that the first U.S. ambassador to the Vatican was William Wilson, a knight of Malta. I'm going to go to page 89. 
listen to this. <laughs> uh, the Vatican has founded the Pope John Paul II Center for Prayer and Study for Peace at 1711 Ocean Avenue in Spring Lake, New Jersey. So it's a, it's, it's a mansion and it overlooks the ocean. It's uh, uh, owned by the Vatican, and um, it was founded by Pope John II. It's called the Center for Prayer and Study. Now, the mansion was given to... I'm not going to... Well, I don't need to read all that part. This is the part I want to read here. The center was set up by the Vatican as a part of the Pope's new peace plan, which will bring the world together, or no, the new world order to usher it in. So he says, see my paper, The Secret Government. Then it says here, the center has two roles. One, educate Catholics and their children to accept the New World Order. Two, provide a residence for the World Peace Solution Computer. There is a World Peace Solution Computer. It says, in an ongoing study for peaceful solutions to any future problems which may endanger world peace. World peace, in their opinion, is the uniting of the nations. It says here now, the computer is hooked to the world uh, capital, to the world capitals, so the world capitals, all the world's capitals via satellite, all nations have agreed to relinquish sovereignty to the Pope and submit future problems to the computer for solution. They said, of course, this will not go into effect until the new world order is publicly announced, okay? But they're already having some, some brainiac computer that they're putting together that all, let me tell you something. These people are crazy here. Now, it talks about here how the Pope is how is the one that changed things up in the church, especially after infiltration, but even before then. Uh, I can't remember which Pope it was, but he said the Pope had challenged the world leaders by claiming that the people of the world are rec already recognize the absolute authority of Rome. Okay, that's what you don't seem to understand. The, the, the Rome have a lot of influence on a lot of religious people that have been brainwashed by people who, who had the abracadabra put on them at seminary school and then sent forth to put the spell on the people. Okay, and you're told, just like my mother had tried to tell me at some point, that the Pope is, I, I never understood, it never felt right to me. And as I got older, I realized it wasn't right. It says the Pope has challenged world leaders by claiming that the people of the world already recognize the absolute authority of Rome because they observe Sunday Sabbath that was ordered by the Pope in the Council of Laodicea in 364 AD. Because it says here the original Ten Commandments given by Moses, God ordered that we should, and it says here, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. It thou shalt not do any work. That was one of the first questions I had about the church mm, when I was asking my pastor when I was reading, what are we doing? And then it says uh, it's Sunday. It's, it's, a, it's a worship day, Sunday worship. It should be the first day of the week and, and you it's literally paying homage to the sun god or Lucifer. <clears throat> In it shalt not do any work thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy man servant, nor thy maid servant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, 
and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it or made it holy. Now it says here, the seventh day, the Sabbath, as handed to Moses by God, is Saturday. The celebration of Sunday as the Sabbath is verification that the people recognize the Pope as superior to God. It's true. It's worshiping. I mean, this is uh, terrible, which is why when the Pope says this is the one, everybody's going to say, oh, and they're going to automatically mark up the black silk fate. You have, you, you got to read your book. You got to read your books. It says here, the whole, the only whole people who have not recognized the authority of the Pope are the Jewish people. Listen, the only whole people who have not recognized the authority of the Pope are the Jewish people. You can say the Jewish people of the day, but the true Israel people who read their book would know, no, sir, no, sir. What you're saying don't make no sense. Make it make sense. This is according to the word of God. God don't lie. The prophets came through, died. You know, we're not doing this today. This not, you know, they're not going to do it. And I'll give you another example of that too shortly. But it says here, they were uh, the whole people who have not recognized the authority of the Pope are the Jewish people. And that is why the Vatican has not and will not recognize the state of Israel. The Vatican refuses to even call it Israel. Instead, the Vatican says Palestine when talking about Israel. Again, not even to, they, they, they just shut it down at all. Again, it says in caps, in caps, it says here, it says in caps, again, I must remind you that what you believe makes not one bit of difference. The important thing to understand is that if they believe this, it is going to give you nightmares. That's what he says. And he goes back to regular caps. The Pope has a lot of charisma and in one world system or in a one world system, you need a religious head for power. <clears throat> It says the Pope has enough following and charisma to make what we consider a great threat in this move. This is a quote from the Mantooth Report, and um, Khomeini wrote that, K-H-O-M-E-I-N-I. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it says he gives, another later on, he says this in caps, remember... Never worship a leader. If you worship a leader, you then no longer have the ability to recognize when you have been deceived. So true. Now, what I want to say about the the, the Vatican not recognizing Israel, and I mean, Jew, Israel, call them Palestine, but the Jewish people of the day, is also similar to, like I told you, the founder of Islam. It's not the truth. The founder of Islam who's married to a woman who lived in Mecca. That's why Mecca is the center they pray to. It has nothing to do with anything else. Mecca had a bunch of gods. Mecca was a, po a very polytheistic, and so they had to think of God for every day of the year. And it was just him, one person that just happened to decide and say, listen, out of all these gods, we're going to pick this one guy. His name is Allah. Listen, this this is how it went. If you do the I don't even know that they know their history because I went, you, I've had debated them. I told y'all before, literally doing it respectfully, reading their side, coming with various sources from their book, reading my side, coming resources from our book. Because like I said, we all agree. It's just when it comes up to like the Messiah and certain things, they go crazy. And also, who gave you the book? Why? How did your religion start? Always go back to the beginning. And you're going to find out it don't connect to us at all in any kind of way. The man who supposedly got the book was... Uh, uh, approached by an angel one day when he went up on top of a cave he was afraid the angel choked him out 
the angel put hands on him and choked him out and demanded that he write in a book. He said, I'm illiterate. I can't write. And, and this went on for a while until finally he, he, the angel let go. He couldn't write it. He went back home and cried to his wife what happened up there. And so eventually, after some time of thinking about it, he said, well, I want to see this thing again. And he went back up there to the mountain. I'm paraphrasing the story, but he went back up there to the mountain and he couldn't see it. That made him depressed. That made him depressed and he couldn't see it. So then he said he was going to throw himself off. Now, when he was going to throw himself off the mountain, the uh, thing appeared again. And again, every time, frightfully, grabbing him by the neck, demanding he write this thing. And so he did. And so he became the father of the book based on this angel. Then they asked him, who was it that gave you the stuff? He is the one that says it was Angel Gabriel. It was not Angel Gabriel. First of all, it's too many proofs in the Bible. And I did that in the episode of uh, Islam years ago. But that when the angels come, they come in peace and they ain't never wrap their hand around nobody's neck. And dem- why? What would be the purpose of that? Something visited that man, but it wasn't no angel. It wasn't no archangel Gabriel. Don't do that. Why he does that is because this guy who was doing that likes to, he figured he was like a prophet like the Jews. So if the Jews was getting, when they got visited, it was mostly Gabriel or he, they were hearing lessons. So he said it must have been Gabriel. So the legend goes that Gabriel visited him and, and gave him a thing and, get, and made him a prophet. Let them tell him that's the story. No, that's not the case. Second of all, when it came down to it, he went running to the Jews of the time, the real Jews, and said, hey, I'm a prophet too. Come on over here and worship with me. The Jews said, hell no. The same way the Jews going to say heck no to this day. And the Vatican knows not to acknowledge the Jews. They're not doing that because even the Jews of this day, they read that book. So if they're reading the book and they're believing like they should believe, whether they're the real Jews or not, they're going to apply the book. So what are you talking about? Come over here. We're not doing that. And also that city over there been polytheistic. So when the Jews would not come with him, he made war against them and he lost. OK, not only did he lose, but to, up to make an affront and not copy them. He said, instead of worshiping on Saturday, the Sabbath, because now he created a whole new religion, we gonna worship on what they call a Juma, which is Friday. OK, but really the Sabbath go from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That's what some will say, because when the Messiah was uh, passed, well, he didn't pass when he gave up the ghost so he could go conquer death so we could have a, a way back to eternal life. They had to, remember, it was Passover. They wanted to bury him before sundown. So they wanted to take care of that before sundown because by sundown into the next day, it would have been Passover. They wouldn't supposed to be able to do nothing. And they would have been darned if they was going to leave the Messiah out there or not, you know, to, um, until a day, a day and a half or whatever. So it was really, it was very important. Okay, but my point is going back to this is that's Islam. Going, you know, this, is the, this is the pagan, This you got the sun god. People say, no, we're going to make the Christian people because we don't like them and we're going to infiltrate the worship on Sunday. You got the Islam who's trying to, the founder, get the Christian, the Jews to come over here. The Jews said, no, he said, well, you know what, I'm just, nobody prayed to Jerusalem because that's what he was doing at first. Everybody faced Jerusalem three, four, five times a day, pray there. When this, he got when Jews said no, he said, pray to Mecca, pray to Mecca, and dang their Saturday, we're going to do this thing on Friday. This is why you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you got people talking about seven-day advances. It is important what day is the Sabbath. You got to, you know, you're not listening. You're so busy. We are the world brainwashed, spellbounded to obey and believe what we're told, especially when we're trying. That's a shame. Moving on, moving on, moving on. I think 89, I don't know if I finished it. There's so much meat in this book, though. He doesn't just talk about this. He talks about a lot of things, even though um, when they come in with FEMA, he talks about a lot of things. I think I told y'all the uh, HIV with 
with receipts, literally government receipts declassified. It was $10 million they used, and they worked for maybe, I think it took 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's written. This is why the man was killed. God bless the dead. Just here, uh, the Pope Paul is the most anxious to complete his goal. His goal is to reunite the Christian world under under the leadership of the papacy, if at all possible. He hopes to reach this goal by the end of the century. This is the primary reason behind the Pope's many worldwide trips. And also, they're trying to do a world worldwide religion. They're trying to unify the religions. I don't know what it's called. I can't remember what it's called, but they've been doing this for years. Sometimes the head leader of the Catholic Church, which is the Pope, will meet with the head leader of Islam. They'll even exchange relics of each other. Like, you're not supposed to have rosary beads. You know, there's, there's the idols, things of that nature. The cross, we know, is um, or Messiah on the cross. Like, they'll exchange things, but he'll they'll take little relics. You know, the, the Catholic Church love to love to keep a relic. They love to collect a relic. And they'll do things of that nature. And this is all to, to because they, they know that these leaders influence their followers. And if these followers see their leaders engaging in activities, we, you know, we can all come together and, and we find a common denominator and they're selling it well, then the, the, the followers, the sheep are going to come, is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. It says, he says, acquaint yourselves anew with the teachings of Jesus Christ and compare his teachings with the Illuminati. And you will see that the Vatican has stated at various times that the Pope is for total disarmament. The Pope is for elimination of the sovereignty of the nation states. The Pope is also stating that property rights are not to be considered true rights. The Pope believes that only the Vatican knows what is right for me. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's all I got for you all. Oh, I don't know. Is that, is that an hour? In this book, he also has um sample. Um, not oh, not samples, but a uh, oath of initiation. One from an unidentified secret order. One from a mother who states that her son took the oath, and she must remain unidentified as well as the son. And also, he has. I mean, he has a lot of stuff, and I'm not gonna read that. He also has here the secret treaty of Verona copy of that it's a congressional record from senate from 1916 it is the american diplomatic hold but it says here this is the proof positive proof of the conspiracies in this treaty here i didn't get to read it yet like i said this is a very good resource book i really have to go through it um another chapter chapter five says goodbye usa hello new world order backbone of hidden government subverge subversion of the balance of power the plan to suspend the constitu to constitution and declare martial law. Child, martial law is a real thing. Like when they when all they gotta do is stare at state a national emergency, which they can at any time. As a matter of fact, we don't got no rights anyway since this thirty year war when the Patriot came in. All they gotta do is come in and take you out. The uh, Walmart and all these places, Costco, all of them is FEMA camps already. They also have underground bunkers and dungeons. When they're ready, they are going and they're gonna claim martial law. And you know what they're gonna try to do before that, I feel is disarm the public. Uh, this is why I'm not saying that gun violence is not out of control. I'm just simply saying with all the gun violence, they're going to probably try to get control of it to a way where they're going to disarm the public. I don't know what the, how the Texans are going to feel about that. I don't know how they're going to disarm all the Texans. <laughs> but 
So that when they come in, I mean, let's be honest, and also kill us off like they are with food, disease, and all this stuff. Because when you come in, it's easier to control 100 dogs. I mean, 10 dogs than it is to control 100, right? Easier to control two dogs than it is to control five, especially if they're wild and crazy and fighting for their lives because you're literally backing them up against the wall. Military police is not your regular police. They're coming. You're, probably, you're not even going to see them. They're going to come in looking like SWAT. And I'm pretty sure they're coming in with some big, bad, tough arsenal of weapons. Like, it might as well be warlike. They're probably coming in with... with you might as well gonna need mustard gas. They're gonna be spraying is what I'm basically saying and things of that nature. They're gonna get they're gonna get military on us. That's military time. Ain't got no rights then. That's a real thing. And that's something I always wanted more information about. Again, when I got this book, I was seeing and I was knowing, but I'm glad I'm looking at this book now, revisiting it, knowing more than as much as I know now because there is a lot of meat in this book. So on that note, you guys. I love you, and I will see you all next time here on Who's on the Lord's Side.